I found a beautiful poem that's within uh, uh, the manual of Zen Buddhism by D. Suzuki, the famous Suzuki, the famous uh, interpreter of Zen. So he's one of the foremost scholars of Zen Buddhism. <laughs> He's the one who got those writings on like haiku and the tea ceremony. This one is uh, from Chinese Zen master Yaka Dashi, the Song of Enlightenment. <laughs> so it's rather high. Chapter 4, page, electronic page 59, ending page 127. Knowest thou that leisurely philosopher who has gone beyond learning is not exerting himself in anything. He neither endeavors to avoid idle thoughts nor seeks after the truth, for he knows that ignorance is re in reality is the Buddha nature, and that this empty visionary body is no less than the Dharma body. Two, when one knows what the Dharma body is, there is not an object to be known as such. The source of all things, as far as its self-nature goes, is the Buddha in his absolute aspect. The five aggregates, or skanda, are like a cloud floating hither and thither with no fixed purpose. The three poisons at Kausa are like foams appearing and disappearing as it so happens to them. Number three, when reality is obtained, it is seen to be without an ego substance and devoid of all forms of objectivity. And therefore, all the karma which leads us to the lowest hell is instantly wiped out. Those, however, who cheat beings with their false knowledge will surely see their tongues pulled out for innumerable ages to come. For in one whose mind is at once awakened to the intent of the Tathagatas Dhyana, the three Paramitas, and all the other merits are fully matured. While in a world of dreams, the six paths of existence are vividly traced. But after the awakening, there is vast emptiness only, and not even a great chilicosm exists. Number five. Here one sees neither sin nor bliss, neither loss nor gain. In the midst of the eternal is serene, no idle questionings are invited. The dust of ignorance has been since of old accumulating on the mirror never polished. Now is the time once for all to see the clearing positively done. That's what it says, see the clearing positively done. Number six, who is said to have no thought and who not born? If really not born, there is no no birth either. Ask a machine man and find out if this is not so. What's a machine man? <laughs> Ask a machine man and find out if this is not so. As long as you seek Buddhahood, specifically exercising yourself for it. There is no attainment for you. Number seven. Let the four elements go off your hold. 
and in the midst of the eternally serene, allow yourself to quaff or to peck as you like. Where all things of relativity are transient and ultimately empty, there is seen the great perfect enlightenment of the Tathagata realized. Number eight. True monkhood consists in having a firm conviction. If, however, you fail to have it, ask me according to your ideas, and you will be enlightened. To have a direct understanding in regard to the root of all things, this is what the Buddha affirms. If you go on gathering leaves and branches, there is no help for you. Number nine, the whereabouts of the precious manny jewel is not known to people generally, which lies deeply buried in the recesses of the Tathagata's Garbha. The sixfold function miraculously performed by it is an illusion, and yet not an illusion. The rays of light emanating from one perfect sun belong to the realm of form, and yet not to it. Number ten. The fivefold eyesight is purified, and the fivefold power is gained. When one has a realization which is beyond intellectual measurement, there is no difficulty in recognizing images in the mirror. But who can take hold of the moon reflected in water? Number 11. The enlightened one walks always by himself, goes about always by himself. Every perfect one saunters along one and the same passage of nirvana. His tone is classical, his spirit is transparent, his airs are naturally elevated. His features are rather gaunt, his bones are firm, he pays no attention to others. Number 12. The sons of the Sakya are known to be poor, but their poverty is of the body. Their spiritual life knows no poverty. The poverty-stricken body is wrapped in rags, but their spirit holds within itself a rare, invaluable gem. Number 13. The rare, invaluable gem is never impaired, however much one uses it. And beings are therefore benefited ungrudgingly as required by occasions. The triple body and the fourfold jhana are perfected within it. The eightfold emanation and the sixfold miraculous power are impressed on it. Number 14. The superior one has it settled once for all and forever. The middling one learns much and holds much in doubt. The point is to cast aside your soiled clothes you so dearly keep with you. What is the use of showing off your work before others? Fifteen. Let others speak ill of me. Let others spite me. Those who try to burn the sky with a touch, torch, and in tiring themselves out, I listen to them and taste their evil speaking as nectar. All melts away, and I find myself suddenly within the unthinkable itself. 
16. Seeing others talk ill of me, I acquire the chance of gaining merit, for they are really my good friends. When I cherish becoming, being vituperated, neither enmity nor favoritism, there grows within me the power of love and humility, which is born of the unborn. <clears throat> Number 17, let us be thoroughgoing, not only in inner experience, but in its interpretation. And our discipline will be perfect in dhyana as well as prajna, not one-sidedly abiding in sunyata or emptiness. This is not where we alone have finally come to, but all the Buddhas are as numerous as the Ganga sands are of the same essence. Number 18. The lion roaring of the doctrine of fearlessness. Hearing this, the timid animal's brains are torn in pieces. Even the scented elephant runs wild, forgetting its native dignity. It is the heavenly dragon alone that feels elated with joy, calmly listening to the lion roaring of the Buddha. Number 19, I crossed seas and rivers, climbed mountains and forded freshets in order to interview the masters, to inquire after truth, to dwell into the secrets of Zen. And ever since I was enabled to recognize the path of Soke, I know that birth and death is not the thing I have to be concerned with. Number 20, for walking is Zen, sitting is Zen, whether talking or remaining silent, whether moving or standing quiet. The essence itself is ever at ease. Even when greeted with swords and spears, it never loses its quiet way. So with poisonous drugs, they fail to perturb its serenity. Number 21. Our master, Sukhyamuni, anciently served. Deepankara, the Buddha, and again for many kalpas, disciplined himself as an ascetic called Shanti. I have also gone through many a birth and many a death, births and deaths, how endlessly they recur. Number 22. But ever since my realization of no birth, which quite abrupt, abruptly came on me, Versicitudes of fate, good and bad, have lost their power over me. Far away in the mountains, I live in a humble hut. High are the mountains, thick the arboreous shades, and under an old pine tree. I sit quietly and contently in my monkish home. Perfect tranquility and rustic simplicity rules here. Number 23, when you are awakened to the Dharma, all is understood, no strivings are required. Things of the Samskrita are not of this nature. Charity practice, practice with the idea of form or rupta, rupa may result in a heavy, heavenly birth. But it is like shooting an arrow across the sky. When the force is exhausted, the arrow falls on the ground. Similarly, when the heavenly reward comes to an end, the life that follows is sure to be one of fortune. Is it not far better than to be with reality, which is a, a samskrita and above all strivings, 
and whereby one instantly enters the stage of Tathagatahood. Number 24. Only let us take hold of the root and not worry about the branches. It is like a crystal basin reflecting the moon, and I know now what this mani gem is, whereby not only oneself is benefited, but others inexhaustibly. The moon is serenely reflected on the stream. The breeze passes slowly through the pines. Perfect silence reigning unruffled. What is it for? 25. The morality jewel inherit in the Buddha nature stamps itself on the mind ground of the enlightened one whose robe is cut out of mist, clouds, and dews, whose bowl anciently pacified the fury dragons, and whose staff once separated the fighting tigers. Listen now to the golden rings of his staff, giving out molefluorous tunes. These are not, however, mere symbolic expressions devoid of historical, historical contents. Wherever the holy staff of Tathagatahood moves, the traces are distinctly marked. 26. He neither seeks the true nor severs himself from the defiled. He clearly perceives that dualities are empty and have no reality. That to have no reality means not to be one-sided, neither empty nor not empty. For this is the genuine form of Tathagatahood. 27. The mind, like a mirror, is brightly illuminating and knows no obstructions. It penetrates the vast universe to its minutest crevices. All its contents, multitudinous in form, are reflected in the mind which, shining like a perfect gem, has no surface nor inside. 28. Emptiness, negatively defined, denies a world of causality. All is then in utter confusion, with no orderliness in it, which surely invites evils all around. The same holds true when beings are clung to at the expense of emptiness. For it is like throwing oneself into a flame in order to avoid being drowned in the water. 29. When one attempts to take hold of the true by abandoning the false, this is discrimination, and there are artificialities and falsehoods. When the yogin, not understanding what the mind is, is given up to mere discipline, he is apt, indeed, to take an enemy for his own child. Number 30. That the Dharma materials are destroyed and merit is lost comes in every case from the relative discriminatory mind. For this reason, Zen teaches to have a thorough insight into the nature of mind when the yogin abruptly, by means of his intuitive power, realizes the truth of no birth. 31. A man of great will carries with him a sword of prajna, whose flaming vajra blade cuts all the entanglements of knowledge and ignorance. 
it not only smashes in pieces the intellect of the philosophers, but disheartens the spirit of the evil ones. 32. He causes the Dharma thunder to roar. He beats the Dharma drum. He raises mercury clouds. He pours nectar showers. He conducts himself like the lordly elephant or dragon. And beings innumerable are thereby blessed. The three vehicles of the five families are all equally brought to enlightenment. Any the herb grows on the Himalaya where no other grasses are found. And the crows feed on it, give the purest of milk. And this I always enjoy. One nature, perfect and pervading, circulates in all natures. One reality, all comprehensive, contains within itself all realities. The one moon reflects itself wherever there is a sheet of water, and all the moons in the waters are embraced within the one moon. The Dharma body of all the Buddhas enters into my own being, and my own being is found in union with, uh, with theirs. <clears throat> 33. In one stage are stored up all the stages. Reality is neither form nor mind nor work. Even before fingers are snapped, more than 80,000 holy teachings are fulfilled, even in the space of a second. The evil karma of three Ashkankiyaya kalpas is destroyed. Whatever propositions are made by the logic are no true propositions, for they stand in no intrinsic relation to my inner light. 34. This inner light is beyond both praise and abuse. Like unto space, it knows no boundaries, yet it is right here with us. Do you have water for tea? Do I have water for tea? Do I have water? <laughs> I thought that was reflected in the moon somewhere. You look to the moon. <laughs> There's water reflected in the reflection of the moon. Huh? Uh, did you want to make coffee or? No, no, I didn't. I thought I hear water in the kitchen. Oh. This inner light is beyond both praise and abuse. Look unto space that knows no boundaries, yet it is right here with us, ever retaining a serenity and fullness. It is only when you seek it that you lose it. You cannot take hold of it, nor can you get rid of it. While you do can do neither, it goes on its own way. You remain silent and it speaks. You speak and it is silent. <laughs> The great gate of charity is wide open with no obstructions, whatever before it. 35. <clears throat> Should someone ask me what teaching I understand, I tell them that mine is the power of Mahaprajna. Affirm it or negate it as you like. It is beyond your human intelligence. Walk against it or along with it, and heaven knows not its whereabouts. <laughs> 36. I have been disciplined in it forever, forever, so many kalpas of my life. This is no idle talk of mine, nor am I deceiving you. I erect the Dharma banner to maintain this teaching, which I have gained at Soke, S-O-K-E-I-N, which is no other than 
the one proclaimed by the Buddha. 37. The Mahakashyapa was the first leading the line of transmission. Twenty-eight fathers followed him in the west. The lamp was then brought over the sea to this country, and Bodhidharma became the first father here. His mantle, as we all know, passed over six fathers, and by them many minds came to see the light. <laughs> Remember, Bodhidharma came from India, bringing Zen to China. Thirty-eight. Even the true need not specifically establish be even the true need not be specifically established as to the faults none such have ever been in existence when both being and non-being are put aside even non-emptiness loses its sense the twenty forms of emptiness are not from the first to be adhered to the eternal oneness of Tathagatahood remains absolutely the same. Hmm. You be listen to it a hundred times on the table, understand it. <laughs> Thirty-nine. The mind functions through the sense organs, and thereby an objective world is comprehended. That makes sense. This dualism marks darkly on the mirror. When the dirt is wiped off, the light shines out. That's all we have to do is wipe off the dirt. Uh -huh. The light shines out. So when both the mind and the objective world are forgotten, the essence asserts its truth. Uh -huh. How can we forget both the mind and the objective world? Uh -huh. So when both the mind and the objective world are forgotten, the essence, essence asserts its truth. Number 40. Alas, this age of degeneration is full of evils. Beings are most poorly endowed and difficult to control, being further removed from the ancient sage. They deeply cherish false views. The evil one is gathering up his forces while the Dharma is weakened and hatred is growing rampant. Even when they learn of the abrupt school of the Buddhist teaching, what a pity that they fail to embrace it and thereby to crush evils like a piece of brick. 41. The mind is the author of all works and the body the sufferer of all ills. <laughs> Everything comes from the mind. The mind is the author of all works and the body the sufferer of all ills. Do not blame others plaintively for what properly belongs to you. If you desire not to incur upon yourself the karma for a hell, cease from blaspheming the Takatagata wheel of the good Dharma. 42. There are no inferior trees in the grove of sandalwoods. <laughs> Among its thickly growing primeval forest, lions alone find their abode. Where no disturbances reach, where peace only reigns, there is the place for lions to roam. All the other beasts are kept away and the birds do not fly in the vicinity. 43. It is only their own cubs that follow their steps in the woods. When the young ones are only three years old, they roar. How can jackals pursue the king of the Dharma? 
with all their magical arts the elves gape to no purpose. 44. The perfect abrupt teaching has nothing to do with human imagination. Where a shadow of doubt is still left, there lies the cause for argumentation. My saying this is not the outcome of my egotism. My only fear is least your discipline lead you astray either to nihilism or positivism. <laughs> I think we could go astray into either nihilism or positivism. 45. No is not necessarily no, nor is yes, yes. But when you miss even a tenth of an inch, the difference widens up to 1,000 miles. When it is yes, a young Naga girl in the instant attains Buddhahood. When it is no, the most learned Zen show, wow, I falls into hell. 46. Since early years, I have been eagerly after scholarly attainment. I have studied the sutras and the shastras and commentaries. I have been given up to the analysis of names and forms and never known what fatigue meant. But diving into the ocean to count up its sands is surely an exhausting task and a vain one. The Buddha has never spared such. His scaldings are, scoldings are just to the point. For what is the use of reckoning the treasures that are not mine? All my past achievements have been efforts vainly and wrongly applied. I realize it fully now. I have been a vagrant monk for many years to no end whatsoever. You think that's true? <laughs> I have been a vagrant monk for many years to no end whatsoever. 47. When the notion of the original family is not properly understood, you never attain to the understanding of the Buddhist perfect abrupt system. The two vehicles assert themselves enough but lack the aspiration of the bodhisattva. The philosophers are intelligent enough but wanting in prajna. As to the rest of us, they are either ignorant or puerile. They take an empty fist as containing something real and the pointing finger for the object pointed. When the finger is adhered to as the moon itself, all their efforts are lost. They are indeed idle dreamers lost in a world of senses and objects. Number 48, the Tathagata is interviewed when one enters into a realm of no form, such as to be really called a Kwanjija, Alakogitesvara. When this is understood, the karma hindrances are by nature empty. When not understood, we all pay for the past debts contracted. 49. The royal table is set before the hungry, but they refuse to eat. If the sick turn away from a good physician, how are they cured? Practice then while in a world of desires and the genuine power of intuition is manifested. When the lotus blooms in the mist of a fire, it is never destroyed. Yusi, or young she, the bhikshu, was an offender in one of the gravest crimes, but when he had an enlightened insight into no birth, he instantly attained to the Buddhahood and is still living in another world. 
Number 50, the doctrine of fearlessness is taught as loudly as a lion roars. What a pity that confused minds, inflexibly hardened like leather, understood only that grave offenses are obstructions to enlightenment and are unable to see into the secrets of the Tathagata's teaching. We're almost done. 51. Angelly, there were two bhikshis, the one committing murder and the other carnal offense. Upali's insight was like that of the glowworm and ended only in tightening the knots of offense. But when they were instantly enlightened by the wisdom of Vimalakirti, their doubt, griefs and doubts melted away like the frost and snow before the blazing sun. 52. The power of incomprehensible emancipation works wonders as innumerable as the sands of the Ganga and knows no limits. To him the four kinds of offerings are most willingly made. By him thousands of pieces of gold are dispersed without involving anybody in debts. The bones may be crushed to powders, the body cut up to pieces, and yet we cannot repay him enough for what he does for us. Even a phrase issuing from him holds true for hundreds of thousands of kotis or kalpas. 53. He is the Dharma king, deserving the highest respect. The Tathagatas, as many in number as the Ganja Sands, Ganji Sands, are to all testify to the truth of his attainment, and I now understand what this manifest jewel is. I know that all those who accept it in faith are in correspondence with it. 54. As to seeing it, the seeing is clear enough. But no objects are here to be seen, not a person here nor the Buddha. Chilly cosms, numberless are mere bubbles in the ocean. All the sages and worthies are flashes of lightning. 55. However rapidly revolves the iron wheel over my head, the perfect brightness of Diana and Prajna in me is never effaced. The sun may turn cold and the moon hot with all the power of the evil ones. The true doctrine remains forever indestructible. The elephant carriage steadily climbs up the steepest hill. Before whose wheels how can the beetles stand? I don't get that one. The elephant carriage steadily climbs up the steepest hill. Before whose wheels, how can the beetle stand? I guess the beetle can't stand. Huh? 56. The great elephant does not walk on the hare's lane. Supreme enlightenment goes beyond the narrow range of intellection. Cease from measuring heaven with a teeny piece of reed. If you have no insight yet, I will have the matter settled for you. End of poem. We had read... The Song of Enlightenment by da Yoka Dashi, Y-O-K-A-D-A-I-S-H-I, a Chinese Zen master. Chapter 4 from uh, the Manual of Zen Buddhism by Suzuki. Remember how I say you should just read the manual? <laughs> Just read the manual. If you don't know what, how to do something, read the manual. That's true of Zen Buddhism. Just read Suzuki's manual. Right?
Did you like it? I don't know. You don't know. I after I've listened to it for the hundredth time, there's a chance I'll understand. You didn't get it. You can hundred times. Well, actually, I've read it to, now. I've read it twice, and if I listen to it on the podcast, I'll have listened to it three times. And then if I listen again, I'll end up listening to it a hundred times, maybe. We had read from uh, Song of Enlightenment uh, by Yoka, Yoka, Dashi. It's within that book, A Manual of Zen Buddhism. <laughs> how many minutes was that? 32 minutes. And there was how many? 50-some. Uh, they numbered the statements somehow. Well, that's interesting. I thought it was worth repeating. Do you think it was worth repeating? I thought it was worth repeating. You can listen to it later on when after you drink coffee, because I can't reach enlightenment without coffee. <laughs> to me, just drinking a cup of coffee is enlightenment. So, you waiting for you to make some coffee. That's the hard part. You are making me coffee is enlightenment, basically. So, when are you going to make some? Actually, I'm going to go out. And I think maybe... Having a cup of coffee and then playing volleyball is basically enlightenment. That's it. So. So when you sit down on meditation, it's nothing. It's nothing. No, we said it's nothing. It's uh, emptiness or not empty. It's whether I am or not. Uh, you think well, of the coffee. I'm thinking of. <laughs> I'm thinking of what I'm going to do, and I'm thinking of everything that happened and is going to happen in my mind, and I think of objects in my mind. And You meditate on so many things. Yeah, I meditate on all kinds of things, and I medit my meditation is only a small portion of my sitting, because <laughs> I sit. In that enlightenment, it's only for a few seconds, and my the rest of the time, my mind is just wandering. <laughs> Right. You have to get up so early in the morning. In so, the morning and so I have to keep trying. I have to keep trying year after year and day after day. And if I meditate three times a day for, uh, if I meditate for six hours a day for six months, there's a chance that I might understand this poem. Now that's the the solution. I thought you already did that. I did that. That's why I'm reading this poem, because I reached enough enlightenment to understand that this is a worthy poem to read. So, in effect, I... I but, uh, it's pleasant to read, though. I've enlightened enough to know that this is an enlightened poem. It, uh, what? To reflect on it, you have to read it again. Well... Pleasant, the first reading... The desire to reach enlightenment is enlightenment. So if there's no time and you desire enlightenment, you already reached it. Mm -hmm.